This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. And this week, we have a special guest, Gabriel Glenn. He is the co-founder and the CEO of Make You Safe Corporation. Make You Safe is an AI-driven business platform for process management, production automation, and data-driven risk assessment for businesses. So it's a device that the workers will wear, and in this device, it has many, many different uh, characteristics and things that they do. It has some uh, some atmospheric recording. It has a few other uh, tips and tricks you could get from it, uh, including things for near-miss reporting, uh, contact tracing. So we and uh, me and Gabe have uh, shared designation. He's a COSS as I am. And I got a hold of him through my mentor, Ryder Cobb. And you could hear uh, Ryder in a, one of my early episodes. So you might have to look that one up. So Ryder had gave us his student and said, all right, Jellen, you got to talk to this guy. This, uh, this new idea that he has and this business that he has is going to be awesome. So I did. We contacted him and uh, I was able to, to get him finally. We've had the schedule issues. But he is truly a wonderful person to talk to. He's got a good grasp of safety through his dad, who was into uh, safety and health uh, in the industrial side. Uh, Gabe was great with leadership. He's one of the uh, gubernatorial, how do you say that? Gubernatorial, the one where your governor places you in a place. Uh, So he's got appointed by the governor in Iowa as a STEM council in 2020. And then he was also named SME's 25 leaders transforming manufacturing. So that's like amazing. Uh, some of the things that he has there available. And there's another stuff, top 10 leader uh, for uh, his company, which is uh, one of the things that the InsureTech by Accord uh, has him listed as. And in 2019, he was also listed as one of the 30 inventors to watch by digital insurance. And that's uh, actually the same uh, company that had Elon Musk listed as one of these people to watch. Uh, Make You Safe as a product itself has been in more than 100 publications across the globe right now. So uh, it was really my honor to be able to talk to him, uh, get a little background, even a background about his great grandfather, which was awesome to hear. So you got to listen out for that story as well. But it was a wonderful, wonderful episode, and I want to thank everyone for uh, listening. And also, if you have not become a subscriber to the podcast, please do that. Uh, I am looking for people to share this podcast with others, and you don't even have to be a safety consultant. If you're in the safety field, this is here to help you. So go ahead, pass it on, subscribe as well, and Also, one of the things I'd like to do is see if I could get you to go to safetyconsultant.tv 
So on your computer, type in safetyconsultant.tv. Uh, you could put in code SC101 and you could get a free month with that and you could actually get templates and downloadable material if you see it online or if you want to watch some of the learning the video learning in there you could do that on your roku device you could do that on your amazon fire stick and amazon tv and apple tv so two ways to get some training get some fun i have some fun stuff in there we even have some things about mindfulness for success so you go to safetyconsultant.tv type in the code sc101 for a free month and subscribe to the podcast uh, this week i will not be doing my uh end of episode uh talk because it was such a good one i want to make sure you guys will focus in on gabe and uh the make you safe company so go get them thanks sheldon and thanks for having me on by the way i appreciate it i always love talking to uh, fellow safety nerds and people that uh, just care about other people's health, happiness, well-being. Um, so anyways, it's always good to, to talk to somebody in the space. Um, I'm Gabriel Glenn, and I am the co-founder and CEO uh, at Make You Safe. We're a, a venture-backed uh, workplace safety startup uh, located in in the middle of, right smack in the middle of the country. Thirty Interstate 35 and Interstate 80 hit right here in Des Moines, Iowa. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. So now uh, the product itself, uh, give us a little background of the product before we get into your story. So uh, so we, we kind of know what the product does and then we'll find out how you got there. Yeah, I, I really, um, the, the product is a, a wearable technology that's designed to understand what's going on around a worker, what's going on in the workplace around them. So unlike a, a Fitbit, where uh, Fitbit's looking internally at biometric data, heart rate, you know, skin moisture, and uh, oxygen levels, and all that kind of stuff. Our device is really—it's looking at a few things. It's looking at the environmental conditions around the worker. What's the air quality? What's the sound exposure? Right? What's the lighting? All of that kind of stuff. Um, and it's also looking at how how physical are they working? You know, what's their the energy that they're producing? Um, if you've ever been on a Peloton or any of the new exercise equipment, it tells you like how many kilojoules, you know, you're producing yeah. in your workout. We, we kind of do the same thing. It's a little bit different, but kind of do the same thing on worker physicality and, and really trying to detect things like slip, trip and fall hazards, um, before they happen. So that's really the premise of it. It's, uh, uh for anybody uh, listening that, that can't see, uh, the screen there's, uh, it's an armband worn device. So it goes on the upper arm. So if you've ever been to a gym or CrossFit or anything like that. You see all these people working out with an iPhone. Uh, yeah, yeah, right on their arm. Yep. Yeah, it's a great place to have a device. It's accessible. It's right there next to the worker. It's close to their head, so it's close to the the, the sensing area. Um, it's nowhere near the size of an iPhone, as you can see. It's about the size of my thumb. Um, so. Just about. Yeah, and those people that are uh, that are watching are, are going to be watching on the Safety Consultant TV. So you, you you do have an audience that's hearing this, and an audience that'll be watching it too. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, so you mentioned in that that uh, it does atmospheric monitoring. Uh, what kind of limitation does that have, or or are you doing like almost a four gas meter monitoring? Yeah, it's a little bit different than uh, specific gas monitoring. So we do. Um, 
total volatile organic compounds, uh, so VOCs and, and CO2. And really what we're looking for, as opposed to a life-saving device, I, I always want to tell people like, we are not a replacement for a CO monitor for the agricultural worker that's walking into a hog confinement that if they go down, it needs to alert. Like we are not a replacement for that. Yeah. What we're doing is we're gathering a lot of this information about the environment and what's going on around people. And we want to do kind of two things with that data. One, we want to create immediate interactions. If there's something that, that we need to address right away, for example, somebody slipped in an area uh, or two or three or four people slipped in an area, right? That tells yeah. us there's probably a slip hazard in that area. You know, there's something going on there. Eventually there will be an accident in that area. We can now go address it immediately because we've been notified on our smartphone that, that people are slipping in this area. So there's some things that are immediately actionable. And then other things are, uh, how is the environment trending? How is it different from what it used to be? Um, or what it's normally at. And then also when something unfortunate does happen, we now have all of this context that we didn't have before. We don't have to go back and guess or wonder. We know what the lighting was. We know what the temperature was. We know what the humidity was. We know what the air quality was. We know where they were on the facility, where they were on the job site. We, you know, we have all of this really rich data that over time we can begin to understand is there correlation or causality between certain environmental factors and accidents, right? So kind of like forecasting bad weather, mm -hmm. it's, it's not wind that makes a tornado or bad weather. It's not temperature, right? It's a combination, a confluence of factors. And it took, you know, decades of data gathering and analysis to determine, hey, when a wind is coming from this way and we've got a front coming from this way and we've got temperatures from the south doing this, there's a heightened propensity for risk. And that's what we're trying to do on the safety side of things. Wow. And um, it's so much technology. It's telling me that you're going to be using, um, well, at least it might be Bluetooth technology I'm hearing there. Um, I'm imagining it's also Wi-Fi technology. And I don't know if you're working on any kind of, um, uh, it's possible, but I don't know. But are you doing anything uh, regarding, uh, I guess, the, uh, it's the, it's the information behind the cryptocurrency. So basically uh, that, that, that type of work is, uh, what is the, the program? Uh, blockchain. Blockchain. The blockchain. Thank you. Yeah. The blockchain technology. It seems like yeah. it, it could fit into that as well. I think there's a lot of uses. I think at the core, um, we're trying to do a couple of things, Sheldon. One, we recognize that workplace workplaces are a lot safer today than they, than they were um, in, in the past. Certainly, I don't. It's kind of hard to see, but those on the screen can see. So, over my shoulder here, um, I was uh, fortunate to be on the cover of uh, Smart Manufacturing Magazine uh, about a year ago. And I'm holding a picture in that photo of my great-grandfather. Uh, my great-grandfather walked out of a factory in my hometown moments before it exploded and killed all of his coworkers. So he, he left because he wanted to go have lunch with my great-grandmother. And I'm so thankful he did because I wouldn't wow. be here today if it, if it wasn't for him taking his lunch break and walking out of the factory. And so... 
we don't we don't have factories necessarily exploding every day. You know, now things have improved a lot. Um, workplace safety is at the forefront of, of a lot of organizations. Um, but we recognize that it still could be better, right? And there's still um, incremental change that can make, I think, big differences and, and provide better outcomes. And in order to do that, the only way we can do that is gathering data. And this data is not available to us. It's never been available to us. Nobody has ever gathered this kind of data from on human beings for any length of history in a whole bunch of diverse um, workplace environments. I mean, we're in construction, we're in manufacturing, we're in food production, um, we're, we're in a uh, steel foundry, we're in a lot of different environments, right? And so over time, I can only imagine what data that we're gathering could be used to do. So, you know, some of the things that you're alluding to, Sheldon, it'll be maybe my son, uh, I've got two boys, one's <laughs> 10 and one's seven. Maybe maybe someday they'll be in data science at Purdue University and yeah. they'll be working with, you know, data sets that were gathered from from workplaces through through our technology. So I think the possibilities are are endless, but at its at its essence and at its core, gathering this data allows us to do more and be more proactive than we've ever been able to do in the history of workplace safety. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, and we're still just at the very beginning of it, which is pretty exciting. Wow. Now, how did you, um, now that we understand the technology a little bit better, I know it's so much more to it because the application can be used as, as you're saying, it's an investigation and it could be used for proving that you're doing exactly what your regulation tells you to do. I'm sure in some cases, some people are going to uh, want to manipulate your, your, your information and use it for evil for, you know, well, pretty much it'll be, you know, uh, punitive issues is, is, is some of the, the areas that I would think could be used as, you know, people not following the rules, but uh, uh, what got you into it? What, what, uh, what, what was the pathway to, to get you to make you safe? Yeah. Uh, again, it was kind of family inspired. So I didn't know the story of my great grandfather, actually, when I started the company. Um, but I did know the story of my father and my father worked in a factory my whole life. He worked third shift. So when I was, heading off to school, he was getting home and he was the headed off I to work. bed. Eight yeah. years. And, and when I was going to bed at night, he was packing up his lunch to head to the factory uh, to build printing presses, actually uh, really large scale printing presses. Um, and, he, and he did that for, uh, I think over 20 years um, before that company went bankrupt. Uh, people got these things and they stopped reading newspapers and magazines and things like that. And in the quantities they did. And so um, he actually, at that time decided to go to school. So here he is in his forties, right. And decides to go to school and get a, a degree in safety and then became a safety manager at a facility in our hometown for the remainder of his career, which was uh, probably another 20 years. Um, and he retired just, uh, just about a year ago um, from that. And so it just so happened conversations with him and spending time with him. I have been a technologist for some time. Um, I've been working in the manufacturing space for some time with, with technology. And uh, when I was hearing the challenges that he was facing and the problems that he was trying to get his hands around, that's, that's kind of what sparked the idea of, my gosh, if I could provide somebody like my father with better information, more timely information and stuff that he can be proactively addressing, 
um, we could make a big difference for people. And so that was really the core of the motivation was how do I make life for guys like my dad better? And one of the first things I did was I decided to go get cost certified because if I want to work in the safety space and try to understand what my dad is dealing with, uh, I wanted to make sure that I had at least a base knowledge of the kinds of things that he would have to do on a daily basis. And I think, you know, speaking full circle here, I think that's how we ended up getting connected was my, my costs instructor was writer Cobb, yeah. and he's the one that, that I think in the end connected yeah, us. Yeah, my, my mentor. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Great the writer, guy. Uh, he gave me a call. Yeah. He said, Sheldon, you got to talk to this guy. And he, he <laughs> gave me a call and he said, uh, what Gabe's doing is going to be so instrumental in our field. And, uh, and once he told me about you, I was like, right, we got to make this happen. Very That's, cool. Oh, tell me, uh, just, uh, just as a, a college instructor and a, a weird, uh, fascination, how did that, uh, that program for you, uh, did it enhance your knowledge enough to really push the business? So I know I'm, we're not doing a, a, a cost promotional, but it's, it's, I got you over here. Might as well just ask the question. So how did it benefit you? Yeah. It, it, in a lot of ways, Sheldon. So I think about, uh, it's one thing to invent a piece of, of technology, right? And startups fail for many different kinds of reasons, right? But a lot of times, uh, the number one reason is bad product market fit, right? They, somebody has a smart idea that they think is going to help an industry that they really don't know that much about, but they're like, oh, come on, everybody's going to want this thing. And then they create it and they take it to the market. The market goes, I really don't want that. I want this. You're, you're, you're kind of close, but I, that's not what I wanted. And by then it's, it's too late. And so before we got too far down the road of product development, we really had to understand um, what is the frequency, severity of accidents? What are the things that are, you know, we could gather data on that could, could make a difference. <clears throat> what is the day-to-day -day life of a, of a safety person? Even at its core, the most basic thing of knowing that my dad's role is to identify hazards determine who is exposed to those hazards and then apply controls as needed, right? Just that process alone oh, yeah. was, was important for me to understand. And it was so important because as we've built the technology and we've grown our company and we are now selling product across North America, we've got thousands of workers in our platform today. Many of the sales conversations that our team has, or many of the conversations that I have with executives at literally some of the biggest companies in the world, I can speak a language that resonates with them, that shows them as a global EHS leader for a fortune 100 company that, Hey, this guy gets it. Like he, he wasn't just in some lab somewhere trying to build some sort of product that he thought would make him a bunch of money. This guy really understands the core of what it is to to be responsible for workers' lives every single day. And it was so important to me, Sheldon, that as we've grown our company, so we're a team of about 25 now, uh, which is crazy when I think back to you know, <laughs> me being employee number one and, and my co-founder on the other side of the wall here you know, being employee number two, mm. and how much we've grown. Our entire business side of our company and our lead software designer, so the person who does the design of our product, have all gone through and got cost certified as well. So all of our salespeople, all of our account managers, and the person that is in charge of design for our technology has at least gotten that base knowledge. I know that doesn't make us experts. I know that doesn't yeah. make us 
you know, somebody that has 30 years, 50 years of experience, like, like a writer Cobb. But I think it, it, what it does is it really helps us understand when we're trying to build a new feature or trying to make a change to the way our technology does something, we can ask ourselves, if I had to implement this in the field, if I, if I had to use this, uh, would I be happy about it? And, and just that gut check alone, I think, has helped us build a better product than anything else in the space and be able to really empathize with our with our users um, that are using the technology every day. Yeah. And that's uh, that is the, the core getting down to basics. You know, you identify the hazard as best as you can and quantify that hazard before you could even get controls. So you're you're making the quantification part, the part of detailing, knowing the hazards and the hazardous uh, situations, conditions to such a degree that then now the the control side gets easier. The control side almost becomes a no brainer in some cases. And the documentation, you know, that's the hard, I think for a lot of safety professionals out there, you're constantly trying to justify your existence, right? Yes. If you're, if you're doing a good job as a safety person, you're not having a lot of recordable accidents. Things are pretty safe. The safety culture is there. People feel safe. And then leadership's going, do we really need to spend so much money on safety? Because we're already a safe company, right? And absolutely, the, the reality is, is they're a safe company because they have a good person and they're, and they're, and they're paying money to, to help with safety, right? So one of the things that we wanted to do was make that process um, easy to do and documented. And one thing I didn't mention, for example, on the device here, it's got this button. And so right now you see it flashing. So it's recording up to 15 second voice memo of whatever the employee wants to say. It could be a safety concern they have. It could be a productivity suggestion that they have. Um, yeah, it could be any number of things. It gives them a, a voice. Um, but what we see a Literally. lot of it does, it, does. <laughs> it literally like, gives them a voice. Like right to leadership. And what we hear, um, you know, from our customers, uh, employees is, you know, a, a voice memo where they say, hey, um, there's a bunch of product parked in front of our fire exit on the south side of building seven. Right. That's a hazard. That's a risk to the employees. That's a OSHA violation. Right. That's a fine. Right. If they come in and see that, that there's a fire exit that's blocked. Right. Yeah. Well, so now we've got an employee that identified the hazard. As a safety manager, I get a text message on my smartphone that just tells me that just just tells me that I can look at that voice memo. It's been transcribed there. It just popped up actually. On the, oh yeah, the, I can see it right smart. there. Yep. Nice. So I can click on this. I can go in. It'll take me right to this voice memo, which it's already been transcribed into text right there. I can add a note to it. I can go take a photo. I can go investigate. It'll tell me who left it, where it was on the job site. It also actually gathers all the environmental conditions, lighting, everything that it also was reading at the time the person pushed that button in case any of that is helpful, right? Um, but all of that information is there. I can now, just with a push of a button on our platform, create a hazard and it automatically goes into a workflow where I can take a note, I can tell somebody to go remediate it, take a photo when it's been remediated, and I can take it through just a three-step process of identification in progress and, and, and taken care of, remediated. Mm -hmm. And all of that is documented immediately and easily for somebody. So at the end of whatever period of time, when they're talking to their supervisor, when they're talking to leadership and they go, so what did I do this year? Well, our team collectively with this technology identified 111 potential hazards. 
we remediated 111 potential hazards. The average one took less than 24 hours to remediate from the time it was identified to the time. And here, by the way, are three of the biggest ones that we found that helped us avoid some fines and helped us avoid that, right? So you, you provide them the documentation piece and the ammunition to show what they're doing matters. So yeah, absolutely. I, that's the kind of stuff that we were trying to think about when we were trying to put ourselves in the shoes of that everyday safety person. And even the safety people walking around, they just, they're constantly taking notes. Like, you know, maybe they'll do an observation for, um, uh, you know, doing an observation on workers uh, multiple yeah. times a day, you know, things like that. I think it's just take a note right in there just with voice. And uh, for for those that that aren't familiar with the whole process of mock OSHA audits or anything similar to that, uh, you would go through, look at different facilities and you basically be the eyes as if you were OSHA. So when you're done, you have to give a report uh, to that. There's me on the consultant side. I do that for clients. But the people who are physically going through the field, they have to think about their workday, the places they need to go and if they could do this uh, in seeming seemingly easy fashion that's freeing up their day to to keep addressing these high hazard things and also immediate things at the same time so uh, that's truly a, a, a value added benefit uh, time and concentrated information and truly you're, you're getting a, a history and you could start proving stuff is defensible so if there is a citation you could may be able to say all right here we do have you know um, maybe it could be someone's misconduct or it could be the the environment you could prove it mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I would say for the most part, the you know, we know when we work with a company, um, what their intent is. It's pretty apparent when you talk to the, the safety uh, leaders within an organization. And, you know, one of the first questions I asked before I started this was I asked some folks um, in, in the manufacturing and construction space that I had worked with in my previous life, like, do you want to know this information? Like, or would you just rather have plausible deniability? Like something bad happens. You're like, sorry, I didn't know it sucked. Yeah. You know, <laughs> didn't know, so I'm, I can't yeah. be in trouble. And the, and the react, like what I heard over and over again was a couple of things. One, they're responsible for the workplace environment, the walking, working surfaces, the, the environmental conditions, right? All of this is already governed by law. And many of the these companies are required to do audits and tests and things on an annual basis anyway. So they're responsible for it as it is. So not knowing that it's bad doesn't absolve you from the liability of needing to have a safer workplace. And the other thing is, is these companies genuinely want to do something proactive about it. If they can find a slippery floor or a cracked concrete or lighting that's out in an area and they can remediate that kind of stuff, we're not talking about building a new building or tearing one down and rebuilding it. It's not that expensive stuff. It's incredible how often our system will say something like the air quality is bad in this area and they'll go and investigate and find out an air handling machine is not operational. They've got a dozen of them in the facility. It's loud. You can't tell that one of them's not operating, right? But the air quality is bad in that area. And it turns out it was that, right? It's a maintenance issue. They have the air handler there already. They can fix that, you know, or lighting. They got lighting is low in an area. They go over and they realize, hey, 20% of the bulbs in this area are burned out. Let's put some yeah. new bulbs in. So again, it's it's not stuff that is uh, dramatically 
um, uh, expensive or anything for them to fix. It's all stuff that they're already responsible for that can usually be fixed pretty easily. It's just the reality of being a safety person or a maintenance person. Like you only have so much time in your day and you're responsible for so many things. So if you have a piece of technology that tells you, Hey, if you've got 30 minutes today to go out on the floor, look at these five things, right? Yeah. Oh, that's so much easier. You're walking Absolutely. a million square foot job site and it tells you, go look for these five things. Now I know what I'm going to do with my half hour walk on the, on the job floor that day. Right. Yeah. So that's what we're trying. That's what we're trying to do is really trying to certainly not replace a safety person. We're trying to arm them with how to, to be the most effective safety person they can be with the little time resources that they have. Yeah, that's excellent. And uh, part of my audience, a high percentage will be those that are going to be either trying to get into working for themselves or trying to uh, as safety consultants, but uh, they're also entrepreneurs in, in their own right. Uh, how did you get your, your mindset into entrepreneur mode and, and learn how to promote and market yourself and, and get out there? Uh, any tips on, on that end of helping helping everyone get, get out of worker mode to entrepreneur, I'm in charge of this business myself and I got to do something. Uh, what, what would you say? Well, I I've been fortunate, Sheldon. Uh, I left a career, uh, in retail. I was in corporate retail, um, in 2008. Um, so I've been out on my own now for some time and I've been fortunate to have some success at a small level with a couple other smaller things in the software space. Um, because I'll be honest with you, you know, taking on, creating a physical product, a physical piece of hardware, right? Sourcing components um, all around all around the globe, um, having manufacturing operations in uh, Malaysia and other places around the world to help produce you know, parts of our technology. Um, yeah, just all of the things that have gone into building this company the way that it is, it took me some smaller stepping stones uh, to get here. This is my first... Um, startup where I've had to raise outside capital. Uh, so we've raised about $17 million now in venture capital uh, to grow our team, to build the technology. It took us four and a half years from wow. the day that I drew it on a napkin at a coffee shop a few blocks from here to wow. the day that we hung our product, our, our production style product on the wall and checked out our first device from, from our production product it was four and a half years, right? And wow. so it, it took a tremendous amount of faith uh, and trust from some private individuals, from some companies that believe in, in, in the space uh, and what we're doing to get here. And so I think all that said, I would say a couple of things for, for somebody that has an idea or is interested in the entrepreneurial space. One, um, it, there's a lot of resources out there and it takes a village. It really takes a village. And there's so many, whether it's mentors or retired folks that are, uh, you know, at SBA or find, find the startup ecosystem. There's an ecosystem in every community now. Right. And that's a great place to start. Um, you can go farther, much further with others, right. than you can on your own. Yeah. The other thing I'll say is that this happens to a lot of folks. Um, you start with solving a problem. You've got a simple idea and a simple way to solve a problem. And then you spend a lot of time thinking about it and, and talking about it. And then it gets bigger and then it gets bigger. And the more you, people you talk to, well, it could also do this. And then we could also do this. And then if we did it for the ag industry, we could do this. Oh, and if we did it at hospitals, we could do. And pretty soon it gets so big that you look at it and go, yeah, I can't take that on. 
And you forget yeah. that what you're trying to do is something simple to solve a problem. In our case, um, I didn't know what I didn't know, Sheldon. And I'm thankful that I didn't know that it would take $17 million and that it would take four and a half years to get to market. And it would take, you know, what feels like a PhD in, in, in global economics, right? To be able to, to create a technology. Yeah. Um, and so we just started small, like building one prototype device with a few sensors and taking it to a factory here locally and seeing if we could identify something. And then, you know, from there taking the next step and the next step. And it was just a series of, of gates along the way. And before we knew it, we had a truck pulling in that was full of our technology from our factory in Penang, Malaysia, dropping off right here at our warehouse at our facility wow. and we're four and a half years in and it, it took a lot of small steps to get there. Um, but, but sometimes it, it, it grows to be too big in your mind and you get so afraid that you don't even take the first step. And that's, that's sad because so many ideas die before they're, before they're even you know brought to life. Yeah, so. oh, that's an excellent tip. And um, for those who aren't sure what the SBA is, is a small business alliance or a small business association that helps people who have ideas with retired people who have gone through the, the business mindset and they decided that they wanted to give back. And it's uh, usually free services that they'll do and they'll help you um, help you brainstorm stuff. So uh, they're, they're a really good uh, administration to, to be involved in. Absolutely. Uh, any lessons learned during uh, uh, pandemic times? Oh. Uh oh, did I break? Oh, did yeah, I break your brain? Yeah, <laughs> holy cow! How how long do we want the podcast to be, Sheldon? Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, challenges like a pandemic present opportunity as well, right? And for us, that was no different. Uh, I told you that four and a half years in, we had, had a truck back up with our product in it. So um, we had worked so hard. We have this whole team of people, all of these investors, everybody worked so hard. We had a big media event planned for this event, uh, kind of like Steve Jobs would do for his oh, you yeah. know, big unveilings, right? You get all the stakeholders together, you get some champagne, you get cocktails, you get everybody happy, you back the truck up, you open a box, you hang the, you know, our kiosk on the wall, you check a device out, everybody cheers. It's a great event. Um, and that was slated for April of, of 2020. And so just weeks earlier, as you know, the, the world shut down oh yeah and we we shut down our office and uh my co-founder lives not too far from here and so he drove to the office turned the lights on opened the door for the the guy with the truck grabbed a fork truck and a pallet got it off closed the door shut the lights off and went home and that was wow. that was our big unveiling you know so th there, there was a lot of letdown and challenge our customers, we had customers lined up that we'd been working on for years. And fortunately we didn't lose customers because of the pandemic. But at, of course, in the beginning, everybody's like, look, we're not going to start something new. We're not going to implement a new project. We're not going to, sorry, we don't even know if we're going to open. We don't even know if we're going to stay in business, right? We don't even know yeah. if we'll have employees. So that was the challenge side of it. But then there was also the opportunity side where we're putting our heads together. Like, what can we do? Can we put, you know, thermal detection on our kiosk? So when somebody's checking out a device, it can read their body temperature. And, you know, do we want to get into the biometric space to try to do that? Well, one thing that was really apparent to us was, hey, if every worker has got uh, our technology on them, our devices can see how far they are from each other. Yeah. 
And now we're hearing that if you're within six feet of somebody for 15 minutes or more, and they're sick or they get diagnosed with something, then you are technically exposed and you're at risk. Like, wow, we don't have to change our hardware at all. And we could do contract tracing reports for our customers. So if Gabe gets diagnosed, all I have to do is go in and say, Gabe, I want to see everybody in the last 48 hours that was within six feet of Gabe for 15 minutes or more. And boom, they get a list, you know? (laughs) So within a very short period of time at the start of pandemic, we were able to say, Hey, we can, we can do contact tracing. And we didn't have to try to build a, a product like so many people out there did that built, you know, made wrist watches and all oh, these yeah. other things. And like, Oh, we already had it. And the technology yeah, awesome. was already there. So, you know, there are things like that, that, that just presented uh, some good opportunity to us as well. Oh, good. Oh, now what about the side with personnel? Because sometimes, you know, um, my dad had once said to me, you know, he said, son, you can't stay small for long, uh, forever. He said, you can't stay small forever. You're going to eventually have to hire people and, you know, in order to grow the business. Uh, so when did you make that choice between the two of you, employee one and two, when you said, all right, it's time to get some more people. What's, what's the mindset that you had to, to choose? All right, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take the chance and and I get someone and hire them knowing that now their whole family, the livelihood and everything depends on, you know, your effort and everything. It's a lot of pressure. So uh, <laughs> when, yeah. when did you guys make that that decision and, and how did you go through that and plan through that? Yeah, again, we've had some really good people around the company, um, some really good mentors and leaders. But uh, I think a big part of it is um, when you when you find a gap, um, that becomes so painful for you, you realize you just don't have, you're just not equipped to do it. And you can either try to outsource it. You could try to find a contractor um, to come in and do part of it. And then there's times where you go, Hey, this is a long-term need for us. And so some of the you know, earliest folks we brought on. Um, in fact, we just had uh, on Friday of last week, our director of hardware product development, uh, Matt McMullen, uh, just had his three-year anniversary with us. So I called him up to wish him a happy, happy, make you safe anniversary. Um, ask him if he was still having fun, you know, and still being challenged. Um, but the guy was uh, came to us with almost 20 years of experience in this, in, in the electronic space, a lot of which was spent with Seagate. Um, doing, doing Seagate. Yeah, the hard drives. So yeah, incredibly talented individual. And we were so blessed and so lucky to, to, to land Matt McMullen. He's been such a cornerstone for our team and technology. Now I look at him like, I don't know how we got along before Matt McMullen was here, right. To have that talent on the team. But we had hit a point where Mark, my co-founder is a, a brilliant engineer, a brilliant technologist. He made our first prototype devices in his own lab at his house with hot glue and wires and cracked open, you know, cell phone charger parts and, you know, things like that to, to get our first stuff. But when it got to, um, you know, building an enterprise grade piece of technology, we just realized we were, we were limited and we, we, you know, there are engineering firms out there, but we thought it would be great to have some core competency on our team. And, and so we just kind of grow on the team that way all through the early phases, it was engineers, it was software engineers, hardware engineers, because you're trying to invent the product. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we got to, we got to line up customers. We got to sell this. We got to manage accounts. We got to keep customers happy. We got to, you know, all of this other, you know, market (laughs) advertise all this other half of the business, um, you know, at, at uh, some point prior to our launch had to come on too. So 
Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so you had the awareness that you knew you couldn't do it on your own. You guys knew that it was there was teams that needed to be in place in order for you to hit the market and hit the ground running. We did, and we were again really fortunate um, to have the investors that we have and the people that believed in us and backed us because. Um, you can bootstrap a lot. I mean, I was the chief volunteer officer for the company for a year and a half. Right. And I was fortunate. I had exited a software company that, that me and a business partner had built and sold. And so I had the freedom and financial freedom to be able to do that for a year and a half. But yeah, when you're trying to hire somebody away from a very high paying engineering job and they're doing really well, you can't say, Hey, you know, come on board with us. And, and in a couple of years, we'll pay you, you know, if it goes well. Yeah, so we're really yeah. fortunate to have the financial backing of, of people to, to allow us to be able to bring some really talented people onto the team um, and not, not have to do all of it on our own. And that's not the case with all startups. Uh, we're really fortunate and blessed to have that. Wow. Well, I know a lot of the safety pros listening right now and the consultants, they're probably thinking, you know, how can we reach you? So go ahead and let them know how they could get a hold and reach you. Yeah. Yeah. So make you safe. I can kind of see it on my shirt here too. So it's actually M-A-K-U-S-A-F-E and it's a little bit of a double meaning. So Maku is a Hawaiian word for risk. And so we kind of do a play on the word there. Our goal is to identify and eliminate risk. Uh, we put the line over it, uh, the Macron, as it's called, to, to give it the, the long A sound, so make you safe. Um, but you can find us online, uh, M-A-K-U-S-A-F-E.com. Um, certainly searching wearable technology, um, looking on LinkedIn, that kind of stuff. We're, um, we're in charge of a few different safety groups and things on LinkedIn. And, um, I'm just really, again, happy and excited to be in the space. And, and we continue to attract people like you, Sheldon, to around the company that are looking at what we're doing and going, yeah, I want to make a connection for these guys. Or I want to, I want to, I want to give them an idea, or I want to, you know, get a better understanding of the technology because, you know, I, I know this is kind of the next wave of where things are going. So we, we welcome any and all of that. We're so grateful that so many people in this space have have embraced us and what we think is kind of the future of where things are going it's so easy to go to work every day when you when you know that your work is meaningful and making a difference in people's lives and i know you felt that for a long time and yeah. um, i get to feel that every day today is you know just just going in and knowing hey what i what i put in today might make a difference for somebody else and that's kind yeah. of cool even on a mass scale too. So, you know, you're reaching thousands of workers at this point from something you wrote on a, on a napkin. Yeah. It's crazy to see it. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? I got to pitch myself sometimes. Yeah. That's amazing, man. So thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you for being on. You too. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and, and let's stay in touch. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast or broadcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within the past hour are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast or broadcast may be reproduced, stored within a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic recording, or otherwise. 
without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast or broadcast, Sheldon Primus.